Welcome to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, where each week we simplify the complexities of your leadership journey. We hope you enjoy this episode and we encourage you to download the show notes and follow along. Welcome everybody and thanks for joining us for another episode of the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. Uh, We have a great show on tap for you today, so we encourage you to download those show notes and follow along as we dive in. My name is Scott, and I'm here with the forever caffeinated Dr. Morales, (laughs) a.k.a. Mo. Hey, what's up, Scotty? Uh, For those of you who uh, know that uh, the voice is a little bit different than Amber's, uh, this is Scott. We're welcoming him into the studio to be our host today. And so, uh, Scotty, we're we're excited to have you here and uh, love having you on the team. So let's talk about leadership. Absolutely. It's, it's awesome to be here. So I was thinking last week about one of my last summers that I worked as an ocean lifeguard. I was in graduate school at the time and I had to make training up for the swim test a priority. Now it's early June in Southern California, 7 a.m. on the beach, and it is cold. Even with a wetsuit on, you can't fully mentally prepare for how cold that you are literally about to feel. There's about 20 of us there hoping to pass, all adjusting our goggles, trying to calm our nerves and scanning the ocean to see if the current was in our favor. The whistle suddenly blows and we all sprint into the water and start swimming. My plan was to get into the water quickly to pull ahead of the others and be able to pace myself through the entire duration of the test. The cold that morning significantly changed that plan. I entered the water and started swimming, my arms both swinging back and forth in an effort to swim, but also to ward off that bone-chilling cold. So I'm basically sprinting out to the first buoy, buoy 1 of 15, and I realize I can't keep my current pace. So I slow down a bit, begin to slide into a rhythm. Now this isn't like a swimming pool, uh, which I actually had trained in all spring, and on top of that, and I don't really know if you know this about me, Mo, but I'm terrified of open water. I worked as an ocean lifeguard for years and have never let it bother me, but to this day, I am still scared of open water. Okay, so I'm pressing on during this test, taking breaths and trying to make sure I can maintain a good distance from shore. I look up to take a breath and realize I'm a good distance in front of the others and have just reached just about the halfway point. There is only one returning guard ahead of me, and he was ridiculously fast, so I I hadn't really planned on passing him anyway, so I knew I was in a good spot. I continued on with my current pace and then suddenly buoy 10 passes. Before I knew it, buoy 15, boom, home stretch. I turn towards the shore, I get there, I exit the water, I cross that finish line and I collapse on the sand. I wait for that supervisor to call out my time and I just am sitting there in anticipation. In reality, I really just needed to be under 20 minutes, uh, but my goal was to be well under that and I knew I just had to be for where I finished in the pack. He, he calls out my time, 22.36. I sat up and I asked him to repeat it. 22.36, he repeats. Looks like we'll see you next weekend for that retake. I was absolutely stunned. I trained all spring for this. I had set a goal, worked for it, and felt like I was prepared to achieve it. Hearing I fell short was tough. In that moment, I really had the choice to either choose to give up or choose to show up the next weekend and do that test all over again. Ultimately, I showed up. I retook and I passed the swim test the next weekend. I hit my goal of a sub 16 minute time. And you're probably sitting there and wondering, man, that's a, that's a pretty big difference. So what went wrong that first time? Well, ultimately they mismeasured the course and we actually swam 1600 yards instead of a thousand. Yeah. 
So I I swam a really good time the first time around for a 1,600-yard open water swim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but ultimately, that spring, I, I really learned a big lesson about setting goals. At first, it appeared that I didn't achieve my goal, and I could have been really discouraged from setting future goals. And oftentimes, that's really a common reaction, I feel like, when we don't hit our goals. But instead, I stayed determined and committed to the goal I set, came back and made it happen. It was really a valuable lesson for me, and I think a valuable lesson for anybody who wants to grow in leadership. Today, we're going to have the opportunity to talk about three goals of an aspiring leader. Now, these aren't magic goals that we will automatically achieve the first try. Instead, if we stay determined and committed through the ups and downs of life, these goals can have great results for us as leaders, and more importantly, for those who we lead. So let's just start this thing off right, and Mo, go ahead, tell us what is the first goal of an aspiring leader? Yeah, you got it. Uh, great story, by the way. Missed the days of being a lifeguard at the beach. Always a lot of fun, getting tan and uh, hanging out with the fellows, but you know, you do have to have goals. And if you want to be an aspiring leader, if you are getting started, or even if you're really just in the middle of the process, the first goal is this. You have to develop strong communication skills. See, all leaders have to understand that effective communication is a crucial skill, no matter what the industry is. It's going to help you to convey your ideas and your vision to your team. Furthermore, it's going to help build trust, resolve conflicts, and ultimately, you're going to inspire others. Because when it comes right down to it, strong communication skills are an absolute must for the aspiring leader. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So then what does this look like when we put it into actual practice? Well, like everything else, it's, it's not easy, but it's simple. And my first question to our listeners is this. Are you practicing active listening skills? If you're like most people in the world during the conversation, for whatever reason, you're, you're just waiting for somebody to get done speaking so that you can give the answer that you're already formulating in your head. <laughs> and th this is passive listening. And what we want to do is move from passive to active listening, which means that you're engaged completely in what somebody's saying. You're not formulating your own response. You're actually talking um, to the person by first taking in their words, knowing what they're saying, ingesting what they're saying, and really hearing them. And to know if you have this skill or, or not, if you need to develop it better, you need to ask yourself, you know, do I really hear my people when they talk to me? Because listening is just part of the equation. If you want to develop strong communication skills, you need to learn how to speak clearly and confidently. And pretty much you can look at any politician that you know and do exactly the opposite of what they do, right? <laughs> because I've done a ton of speaking <laughs> over the years and the mantra that I live by is be good, be brief, be gone. And if you can learn how to do this, you're right on track. So don't worry. Um, if, if you are uh, feeling, man, I'm just not a great speaker, just remember that keep your, your language simple, avoid jargon, all the tribal language, things that are um, just words that, that only you would know. But most importantly, you got to maintain eye contact with somebody because I can't tell you how often I talk to young leaders and they won't look at me in the eye. You see, when you talk to somebody, look at them. I'm telling you, it's going to make all the difference in the world, especially when you're talking to more seasoned and older leaders. Very true, Mo. So I got to ask, these days there are so many different forms of communication, from DMs to comment sections, from texts to emails, 
And it just seems like the trend continues to get more nonverbal every day. So with all of these new forms of communication, how does skill building factor into those? Yeah, that's definitely correct. And there are so many different mediums today, and you have to learn how to get good at all of them. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that you have to learn every app, but there are a lot of apps out there. And before you're, you're committed into developing strong communication skills, you have to have strength and versatility within the way that you communicate. And so when you write an email, do you know how people receive it? I'm telling you, so many people get caught up and perceive the message a, a different way than the message was written. And this goes for text messaging too. When I send a text message, I'm always thinking about the little things like, how old is the person that I'm emailing or texting? What's their background? How are they gonna receive this? Because you have to think about the stuff before you send it. Otherwise, you're gonna open up a whole can of worms and you're gonna have to end up cleaning stuff up and you're gonna create a mess and you're gonna be really unintentional about it. But lastly, and most importantly is this, you need to seek feedback. And this isn't just for young leaders, it's for all leaders. This is probably one of the biggest ways for anybody to improve their communication skills. Don't assume that everything that you say is received exactly how you want it to be received. You need to ask, A-S-K, ask it. Ask the people that you're communicating with if they heard what you said. Ask them to repeat it back. Ask them to observe you in meetings. Ask them how you come across. And you know what you, what you need to do is make sure that if you wanna be a leader, the buck stops with you. It's all about you and the way that you are perceived by other people because you are the one who is in charge. And communicating effectively is your responsibility completely. Ownership, such an important understanding to have as a leader and probably, honestly, a topic for another episode. <laughs> One of the things that you mentioned though, uh, I, I have really found so crucial in my day to day. I found it so important to ask how things are received and get that feedback. With all the various forms, again, of nonverbal communication in today's world, I feel like I write emails or, or I send a text with my own tone, thinking that whoever's reading that is going to read it that exact same way. Uh, but in all honesty, when I take that time to ask for that feedback on how it was received, that's an area where, where I absolutely see the most growth in, in my communication skill set. All right, so goal one, develop strong communication skills. Check. So let's jump into that second goal. What do you have for us? Sure. The, the second goal of an aspiring leader is this. Create a positive and inclusive work environment. See, when we foster that kind of environment, we end up asking others who we're leading to be collaborators. And this brings higher productivity and ultimately makes people happier when they're working under your leadership. And of course, we all want people to be happy working with us because happy workers are good workers. I know that I work better when I'm happier. And so a couple of action points uh, that you would want to apply to this um, would be these right here. First, you want to encourage teamwork. You know, one of my favorite books about Abraham Lincoln is called Team of Rivals. And all of the guys that Abe had in his cabinet when he was a president, they pretty much hated each other. <laughs> but, but he figured if I get all these guys to work together and they hate each other, they've got a diverse way of looking at everything. And it gave him the best opportunity as the president to serve both those guys and the people of the United States. And so I'd say based on Abraham Lincoln's track record, it's a pretty good decision on his part. And so fostering collaboration between the people that work underneath you, 
uh, is going to really help to support not just your team, but they're going to be able to support one another. Because let's face it, people aren't always going to be, you know, liking the decisions that you make as a leader. But if you create a team that likes one another, even in the times when they don't agree with you, they can band together and they can end up achieving the, the vision and the goals that you have set out for them. And so my mentor, Kevin, who I talk about a ton on this podcast, is great about that in having people work underneath him. And so when I was working for him, he made a lot of decisions that I disagreed with. Of course, I mean, I was a really young leader and I thought I knew everything and, and I didn't. But 95% of the time, he was right and I was wrong, which is still today as well. But at the moment, I really didn't think about it that way. I just knew that I thought he was wrong. And because of that, you know, that's that made me not want to listen to him. But he helped me to connect with the people that were underneath me so that we could get on the same page and help to influence Kevin and what he likes to call leading up. And so another part of creating a positive and inclusive work environment then would be to make sure that you recognize and appreciate each person on your team for their contributions. See, some of you out there are hard chargers and you don't think that there's any time for celebration, but trust me, I can identify with that. But I had to be taught by Kevin, to stop thinking that way. Because if you want to create a positive and inclusive work environment, you have to stop thinking that you just need to keep charging ahead. You have to take time to recognize people for the effort that they put in. You need to celebrate their successes and your successes as a team, and especially recognize the results of the people who brought those results to the team. See, your job as a leader, is to give people the necessary tools and space to be effective and then get out of the way. But still, if you don't recognize them for all the things that they do, they're either going to start working for somebody else or they're going to stop working as hard for you, which is probably even worse because now they're not going to want to be effective because nobody wants to work if somebody else doesn't appreciate them. That is so true. You know the field that I work in is uh, often toted as a, as a thankless one. One of the main reasons that people leave is a lack of recognition for the hard work that they put in. I've seen some great hardworking employees lost due to the administration not acknowledging their work ethic just year after year. So recognizing your people is really not a difficult task. And in reality, it's going to save you so much more than losing them or losing their productivity if you just take that opportunity to recognize their work. Absolutely. And so, I mean, lastly on this point, I would say this about creating a positive and, and, and inclusive work environment. See, you want to lead by example, and it's your behavior that matters the most. The way that you do things to align with the organization's values, for instance, is important because it represents what it means to work for that company. So I always try to focus on being honest, transparent, and accountable to my people, to, to my peers, to my bosses, supervisors, people over me. And I found out that if, if I embrace those values, so if you embrace those values and live them out in your own life, your team is going to end up doing the same. They're going to find important what you feel is important. And as John Maxwell says, there are no bad teams only bad leaders. So looking at the people around you and how they act and behave directly represents how you lead that team. So funny enough, I, I actually just had an opportunity to touch on this point with an individual the other day. Uh, they're seen as a person in, in a position of leadership 
and were blatantly disregarding a policy that had been put in place. And so by asking them questions, uh, mainly because good leaders ask good questions, uh, I was able Mm -hmm. to discover how their choices uh, could be an example to others and think through what setting that example might mean and how it might affect the team as a whole. So, all right, Mo, we are, we're rounding second, we're headed towards third, so let's hit on that third goal. Sure. I would say the last goal of an aspiring leader is this, develop strong leadership skills. And that, that sounds kind of like a no-brainer throwaway, but you got to hear it. You need to develop strong leadership skills in your own life. And this might seem a little bit trivial and simple, but as we do here on this podcast, as we break down the complexities and we make them simple. So here it is. Leadership skills are essential for running teams, setting goals, and achieving the company's desired outcomes. And honestly, it takes strong leadership skills to achieve the goals of your own personal life. So you have to develop strong leadership skills. Honestly, that seems simple enough. So we talk leadership all the time. So my mind is is really already thinking of things I can do to, to better my own leadership skills. Uh, but for those listeners that may not know where to begin when it comes to developing those, what are what are some practical ways or places that people can turn to to really start to develop those strong leadership skills? I'll give you two practical tips that I learned over the years. And the first one is this. You need to read books. You need to read a lot of books. And everybody knows that I have most top 50 and most top 50, I think, is uh, up around 83 books now because I just can't get rid of any. But if you don't have a top 50, you know, let me know. I'll send you mine and just start reading it. I, I know, Scott, when you and I sat down, I said, what are you reading? And now you know that when we meet on a weekly basis and we sit down, I always ask the question, what are you reading? And so I'm asking our listeners today, what are you reading? You always need to be in specific leadership books. There's certain books that I'm always in that I'm always taking other people through. Scott knows this. I'm always in in a certain, probably one of about five books with people that I am taking through leadership skills. But I read because you are only as good as the books that you've read in the past couple of weeks. Remember that. If you haven't read anything in the last couple of weeks, you have nothing good to say. And the second is this. After you read a ton, you need to surround yourself with good leaders to learn and understand and receive correction from them. And I'll tell you why. Because those leaders, those men and women, people who have been doing leadership longer than you have, they are going to help you get away from some of the pitfalls that you otherwise would hit if you didn't have them in your life. So again, the question for our listeners is this, who are you surrounding yourself with? Because like Kevin always tells me, even to this day, you are the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. So think right now, Who are the people that I spend, the five people in my life that I spend the most time with? Those are the people, whether you want them or not, they're going to be the ones who are influencing you. For those listeners that are are thinking and maybe not big readers, um, I do not get every week perfectly. So if you do not (laughs) read in a week, don't worry. Just make sure that you are continuing to read with your best effort. But we're all human. (laughs) I don't get it right all the time. And Mo continues to remind me that when I show up week after week. With I haven't read. So, okay, because I love baseball, we're going with this analogy here, but that third base coach is waving us home and we're headed down that home stretch for this episode. So, I know this topic really is a deep one and the layers really need to be pulled back much, much further. 
So spoiler alert for those listening, the next episode, we're actually going to continue with this topic, go a lot more in depth, really discussing practical application and, and what that can look like. But Mo, before we slide into home, bless us with any final thoughts or wisdom that you may have. Absolutely. Well, I would say my final thoughts is this. A summary would be that aspiring leaders have to remember, develop those strong leadership and communication skills, create a positive and inclusive work environment, and they have to develop their own strong leadership skills. They can employ these goals by practicing active listening, promoting diversity and inclusivity at work, and they have to be intentional about personal development. And so here's my final encouragement is that each of you who are listening, take a long look at these goals, see which one that you need to do the most work on and reach out to a couple of people on your team, either people that report to you or somebody you report to that can help you by giving you some constructive criticism. And of course, we always need to be talking to our mentors. We need to surround ourselves with people, good counsel and hear the things that are gonna make us better especially when we don't want to hear it. Woof. That is just a fantastic (laughs) area to conclude, a fantastic just piece of truth and knowledge. I don't think we could have uh, gotten to the end of this episode really any better. So with that, everybody, that kind of brings us to the end of this episode. We hope you join us uh, for the next episode where we'll continue diving deep into practical application for these three goals that have been laid out. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Hope you'll join us again next time for the sequel. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. Make sure you visit us at rtclc.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out. And share with others so they don't miss out.